0: You're listening to Future Theatre Radio with Bill and Nancy Burns, right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN
1: Radio.
2: Hi, everybody. It is May 16th, 2016, and we are your co-hosts, Bill, that's me. And Nancy Burns, and we are broadcasting on Future Theatre Live from the banks of beautiful Primrose Creek in downtown Solberry Village, Pennsylvania. And our producer is the wonderful Angela Spino on the PSN Radio Network and the Dark Matter Digital Network. And our guest tonight
3: is Adam
2: Glerightly, and joining us on the phone tonight... Because he needs a new headset apparatus, is Chris Brown? Because he was
0: chewing on it like if it was a, a toy, like if he was a dog and it was a toy and he was just chewing on it. Got to stop chewing oh, on work. it. A, God, no, I,
3: I, I just, I disagree. I've gone through at least three or th- three of these.
0: But you also said you were chewing it on, on on the mouse. Well, possibly.
3: yeah,
1: I exactly. Flipped. I, I rest my yes. case. Thank you very much.
3: I blame myself.
1: I was skyping with them and I slipped on my mom's desk. Uh, deck and when I came down I flicked it and broke the computer but um, it kind of bent them up there on the (laughs) one side where they went in and then it got I think it pulled real hard and that may have been where the short had started on the ear and so from then things just went south I tried to piece them together with tape and, uh, and, well, they only lasted for just a couple months after that. And oh, they did last. Yeah. Well,
3: okay, let me ask a quick you question be of you guys. Of um, <clears throat> a few, a few weeks ago, after the show, actually, I, um, didn't realize that my computer cord was, in fact, um, fraying, F-R-A-Y, fraying, right? And, um, when I went to plug it in, a loose wire hit some metal and there were sparks coming out. I thought it was the end for me. And so, It was fine for my computer. My computer's fine. But I want to ask you guys, can I just tape those wires up and will they be good again? Just, you know, or do you have to strip them out? Mm. Mm?
0: I wouldn't give you an answer on air because I don't want to be liable in case you blow your house up.
3: I'll, I'll look and see, actually, I suppose. But sometimes, what Chris was just saying, if it's, I think, speaker wire, it kind of doesn't matter as much. Yeah,
0: I mean, I'm sure you put electrical tape or black tape on it. I'm sure that'll hold, you know, whatever. I mean, that should be enough uh, for it to, like, not spark or anything. But that's scary. I mean, so what was it the spark, the actual... Back of the well, computer. it was
3: it was quite a lot of stuff. It it was actually you could see it. I, I was in the dark. I was in bed in the dark and you could see the kind of green light going across you know, the boards, you know, inside it, it. This is an old MacBook Pro from 2009. Everything tonight ah. is from 2009. Uh, our guest tonight...
0: Speaking of which, uh, 2009, I still yeah, have... you in
2: 2009? Oh,
0: no, 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 no. Well, that will be a very young guest. No, mm-hmm. uh, I still have my headset that I bought in 2009.
2: Okay. Well, that's
0: weird. A... And it still works beautifully, and I actually... I, I, my dad uses it for his Spanish podcast, and I bought another one two years later, and I still have that one.
3: Well, and maybe, maybe you're just a... You're, maybe you're a, machine, a machine whisperer, you know? Actually... Mm-hmm. Beautiful uh, condition. I was talking Beautiful. to Angel um, after the show, one of the shows this week. It was either our show or or, or Skywatchers. One of I the was shocked, shocked. When I tell this to Bill, he's going to be shocked. Do you realize this? Angel has a full head of hair. He simply chooses to shave it, and 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 the reason is hilarious. Um, I hate
1: you, Angel.
4: Oh, <laughs> I know.
0: Uh, really are we going to share this horrific story on the air really It's such
3: a funny story. I mean he has a complete head of hair that he is he's not you know like slow, balding young man, not at all trying to look you know not like a balding guy and uh, I'm just trying to look
0: hip because being bald is hip
3: well no, but his real hair has a dent in it now, like a permanent dent he 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 put uh what are those things called? cornrows when he was a youth and he yep, has a, yep i had cornrows oh, in my youths yeah and he has a permanent dent in his hair that when he did grow his hair out it was still there and of course that would that wouldn't stop bill for a second you know are you kidding
0: thank you nancy hair. for embarrassing me live on here thank you very uh, much how do you weird.
2: have a dent in your hair it's I not really a,
0: a, a dent way. per se she she's not really explaining it correctly i wasn't planning on speaking about this uh, tonight and Fair warning, future uh, theater fans.
3: Last and time I tell her
0: something personal like that. Yes,
3: and guests. It'll and come up
0: guests. on the air. Uh, no, I used to have cornrows as a, as a youngster because for you know I did rap music and stuff for a long time, and and I, for years and years I had my hair in cornrows and stuff. And when you have them in that setup you have to have a lot of like you know chemicals in there to make sure it's right stays, it's a
2: permanent right but right. it is so
0: i had a lot of uh, yeah. a lot of chemicals through the years go through my head and one time back in 2002 i think it was um i had taken off the cornrows because i was going to go to a different place to get them done you know they were going to do a different setup and when i just left them you know alone for a little bit i noticed that i had in between the hairlines i had like huge gaps of hair missing and, you know, like the cornrow lines. You stripes.
3: You had stripes.
0: Right. So I literally had stripes going all the way down there were really big chunks of hair, of hair missing. And I started, like, going through and I was like, wait a second. There's, like, almost, like, half an inch within each one what? that has, like, just a line that is completely missing. So I went in, and I asked uh, the stylist, and uh, they told me, no, you know, let shave your head, see if, you know, if uh, it'll grow back. So I shaved my head, and I let it grow back a little bit. And as soon as it grew back, it looked the same. Like, the lines are still there permanently. So I said, okay, I'm just saving my head from this point on, and I just decided to shave my head from then on.
1: Uh, but if
0: I grow my hair out, you will well, see the Well, maybe it'll be good lines. now. Yeah, no, I could grow it out, and you could still see the corn roll. No, you, I could still do it now.
1: Oh, it still happens. And huh. it still
0: happens, yeah. I actually grew a little bit of it out a few months back, and sure enough. Thank you, well, Nancy, for that. Yeah, question. 2009.
3: <laughs> as we, you know, 2009. Now, um, I also wrote to Adam very quickly to say, I don't want to um, – uh, shock him but i but i was researching other things tonight because he's a world of interesting stuff so when you go and you click on the links you have a lot of fun and i wanted to ask him about a story that he first wrote about in 2009 um and it's about Tuesday is that About weld. Cornrels? Cornrels? no it's about Tuesday no, no. weld the actress this is Ooh. all Illum- Tuesday well Tuesday weld never heard of her oh my goodness or him. oh my goodness when you or them no oh, when you put her in the google you okay. will And just put images. You will love her. Love her. Everybody Tuesday loved.
2: Wells, you said? Tuesday, Tuesday Wells. W-E-L-D. A, 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 a gloriously movie. pretty actress back from the 1950s and 60s. She was in a movie with Eli Wallach.
3: Sweet Bird of Youth? No, yeah.
2: Sweet Bird of Youth with Joanne Woodward.
3: Mamacita.
0: Yeah, she's uh, a looker.
2: Yeah, but Tuesday, um, she, and she was, was in, in, the, in the Eli Eloy's. And
3: she was in Time Machine, right? She was with the Eloy's.
2: She was ah. in, right. You yes, that? yes. Yeah. No, the, that was a vet mimiu.
3: Was that a vet That was a vet mimiu. Oh, never mind. No, Tuesday Same Weld was girl, in the though.
2: television show, Dobie Gillis, but she was also in, I think it's Doll Baby is the movie where she was... Um, yeah, Baby Doll. Baby Doll. Baby Doll. In Eli, a very, very important movie. Well, in fact, the,
3: the style of um, pajamas she was wearing in that movie, she was supposed to be white trash. And um, the style of pajama became known as Baby Doll Pajamas that's to, right. this, to this day. And that's... Even you young guys might know what that is. It's sort of puffy sleeves and short, little Mm -hmm. dressy thing. Mm -hmm. Tuesday, well, she was a real ingenue, but there's some amazing stories about her from the occult side, a whole lot of stuff. And I would like, Adam, I'm hoping that Adam got my email. In fact, I can check and see if he did and see if he's prepared to dredge this up from 2009. And.
2: I'm sure he is. All stories I can bounce off Dwayne Hickman, who played opposite her on The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis.
3: Yeah, she was beloved of uh, by her actress stuff like that. But um, and and tonight we were gonna talk about uh Carrie Thorn. Oh, first, 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 before we talk about before we get too far away, Chris has a report from the field from exactly what we should be talking about here, which is the UFO convention in McMinnville, right? Oh,
2: McMinnville.
1: Go ahead, Chris. I did. I experienced it this Saturday. It was kind of a hit-and-miss thing with me being able to speak. That was the whole game plan was me being able to have time, but unfortunately with the um, speakers that were scheduled to speak to the MUFON people that just wanted to get up there and do their little things was in-between time of those people. Ah. So um, and it ended up that we showed up there at 1230 in the afternoon. I got a hold of the state uh, Keith Rural here, the MUFON guy, and he said, well, we just got over with the one talk. The next one's not going to be till till 6 o'clock tonight. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, it's 1230 in the afternoon. I'm a mom, my kids and blah, blah. So we just went there. And um, they went in there. The place is so, oh so busy. The whole town just comes alive. It, it literally, it, it's it's like nothing you ever. Well, seen. did you um, dress up? People. Did
3: you dress up Bean?
1: No, we didn't dress up Bean. We tried, but the problem of it was it was raining uh-huh. really super hard here. The day before it was ninety three, over ninety degrees, and then I'll go and all of a sudden it was fifty eight degrees right. the next day raining and so we went in there we went uh walked around and walked on the street the first month first person i came up and seen at the um um Oregon hotel which is the mcminimums pub there it's a uh, minimums hotel it's like a pub thing anyway and with Clyde Lewis I talked to him said hi and did my thing there for a little bit and um just for a second kind of caught back up with him later on got a picture and then um, really, there was just so many people. There's just, just thousands of people, and you could hardly even walk. And it was raining hard, and everybody's walking on the, you know. Uh, well, was it inside?
3: And, is it, out, uh, it? It's in the town as well as in the hotel. It's
1: in the town, yeah, and pretty huh. much all the little shops in there, all UFO do with anything. It's and, like Roswell
2: uh, yeah, in July.
1: Like mhm. Yeah, that's exactly. It's compared to that. They call it the the world's biggest uh ufo festival but then you got roswell and all these other people claim different or whatever but uh i don't see how it could get any bigger um so we um went and uh did the did the parade dealt with the rain here so going to do a little deal with it and um it was fun they had all kinds of things i'll post some pictures here pretty soon here in the in the um in the PSN chat of the, uh, pictures we took, I couldn't get a lot of them because, well, I just let the kids get up there front and, and, uh, and get all the candy and all that. And well, didn't help. I'm six foot four. So, but, um, anyway, and then I later on made my way kind of, um, well, we were going to go home and we we're all getting in the car and all of a sudden, uh, the guy, uh, Keith called and I hadn't had a chance to run into him and said, you still here? And I said, yeah, I'm still here. And just getting ready to leave. Well, won't you come see me? So my mom stayed in the car. I booked over a couple blocks to the motel and met him. But as going in there, in the motel, I ran into Peter Davenport and got, yep, met him and said hi. And then Lynn, um, the one who does the Phoenix Lights movie or whatever. I don't, I don't,
3: Lynn Keitai.
1: Yeah. Lynn Keitai. Yep. She said to tell you hi. (laughs) And, um, and then I'm um, she's gonna she's gonna
3: other. get me the the first time we're in a conference together. She is going to find me and get me because she's always looking for me. We're from, mm. kind of from the same yeah, kind you're of from background. the same town
2: yeah, exactly same, yeah.
1: Same yeah. Well, we uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, we could talk about her uh, later on. You know, maybe if you want to have her on or something.
3: Yeah, she's but, she uh, she is due for a return visit. That's for sure.
1: Oh, okay. Well, in that yeah. case, then we kind of give them work on that because I already kind yeah. of got things swinging. So anyway,
5: there you go. And
1: yep. Yeah, and so. Um, Um, that was kind of it was a quick deal I couldn't sit there and really say too much and say hi and blah blah with them because I was having to meet Keith who was out there calling my mom back on her cell phone wondering where I was thinking I got lost or whatever and um, that sounds
3: like a typical convention and so you know to get the full experience you probably should stay overnight at the hotel I guess oh yeah that would have
1: been booked a year in advance and yeah, and so and and you know I I um I guess I'll try next year, and, uh, but I met my little my, my people made some way of a stake and let people see my face and who I am and and but, know I just I don't well, show up with. Chris, with are you sleep. tall or short? I'm the a, I'm a taller guy. Yeah. How, how tall
3: are you? Six four. Wow. Okay. So I think of you as a really short guy because I see you in the little tiny hey, He sounds though.
0: like a guy who's like five foot four, right? like big <laughs> you know, you boy, said, small body. Tim,
3: right? Well, no, timid. you sound very polite. Like you would always open the door for people and wait your turn. Like he's a perfect gentleman, opens the door exactly. for the
0: ladies, that kind of dude, right? Yeah.
3: Six four though. That's that's nice when a really <laughs> tall guy isn't a bully.
1: Yeah. Well, the picture that I got with Clyde, if you see on Facebook. I was in the middle of talking, and I wasn't really caring about really saying too much or about getting a smile there, and so I looked like, really, I did. Like Tom said, Jensen said, Chris, you look like you just robbed 7-Eleven. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just kind of just sitting there talking and cold, but I'm going to be going on Clyde's collide show because he's a wolf. You should have been and like,
2: and I, I, I did.
1: Yeah yeah I'm, I've never been on Clyde's show. He's a local guy. He's got crown, uh, Ground Zero here in Portland. Oh, right and, uh, right. Yeah. He's, yeah.
2: He, he's very popular there. In fact yeah, I've, been I've his, never been on a show, and I've been and on I've a, been a show a lot. He's really a nice guy.
1: Yeah, so and I thought it would be really good connection to have my local encounter and, and all that and, and you know and its, making it's a little headway. I'm not to bust my chops to get up there to make it where I think it needs to be, but I'm getting there. it's just taking time. So anyway, um, that's what happened to me in the UFO Festival.
3: So you're going to post the photos, uh, for folks oh, really? to see on, let's see here. Maybe, maybe you can, maybe after I find them and get them out, you'll put, put them in chat. Let's let it be yeah. nice and exclusive for chat to start with. And then I'll try to post them on the, on, um, the Facebook page that Future Theater has if I can find it. Hoo <laughs> hoo. There's I'm, just I'm not sh- on the
1: computer here right now, but yeah here I'll get, well so you know i am um
3: in setting up tonight's guest, Adam go rightly, mm-hmm. one of the things I found was he has a delightful um Amazon author page, which I've linked to, and it's just nicely filled out with all of his books and so tonight um i always we always try to take him off on tangents because it's in the tangents that he remembers. Little factoids and things off the beaten path. I like the tangents with Adam, but you'll see why so many tangents are fruitful
2: when you see how many. That's books exactly what J.R.R. Tolkien once wrote about. Oh, really? Yeah, that's the whole point of Beowulf: the monsters and the critics. What do you mean? What do you mean? That the story is told through the tangents, not through the main storyline. It's the tangents that move the main storyline along.
3: And this is who? This is um,
2: J.R.R. Tolkien. This the famous is, Tolkien.
3: Yeah, but this is whose the theory? Lord but, of the Rings. Yeah. No, but, but you're saying this is um, – was this your mentor, your
2: – Oh, I, I wish. No, 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 no. He was somebody, obviously um, – the... Who is the scholar you just said wrote this book? About uh, – Tolkien and oh, – Oh, oh, no, it's an article. <laughs> J.R.R. Tolkien was um, a professor of Anglo-Saxon at Oxford. He's the mm-hmm. author of Lord of the Rings. Yes, but, and The Hobbit, and The Hobbit. And The Hobbit. Yeah, right, well, it's all in that. the same series. But Correct, yes, yes, yes. We're Tolkien, Beowulf criticism, really up until... So Tolkien the, was a Beowulf critic. Tolkien I wonder if was, Tolkien was Tolkien. Yeah, Tolkien and, was a medievalist. Yeah. He was a Beowulf mm-hmm. critic. He was, the, he was the editor of, of the, the major editor of the poem, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, in Middle English. And he's a very, very important guy in medieval studies. Okay. He's and the that's one... that's what I wondered,
3: yeah.
2: He's the one who changed Beowulf criticism forever by and he's pointing. Saying the
3: story is being told
2: by pointing out that the story is told by other stories through the storyline. The storyline in Beowulf is a very weak storyline. It's only a story of of you know going to Denmark and fighting this like awful monster and coming home and then somebody awakens a dragon and then Beowulf is the king and the dragon kills Beowulf. But the point of how the story moves along is through all these ancillary tales of other heroes in that culture. And so it was Tolkien who said that rather than just a pastiche of different stories, it's actually the stories themselves that impart meaning to the story of Beowulf and move it along. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's really important. And so a criticism of old English poetry changed forever because of Tolkien. Mm.
3: Interesting. And he was correct in this, you think?
2: Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
3: I wonder if he tells a lot of interesting stories in Lord of the Rings um, in the side stories. I, well, he does. he does. When you
2: read the books, when you read the books, as opposed to watch the movies, when you read the books, you find out that Lord of the Rings really is a string of side stories about the various characters, whether it's the trees, the ants, Tom Bombadillo in the forest. Um, It's those stories that are woven together as the ring bearer, as Frodo Baggins makes his way toward the um, pit of doom. Mm -hmm.
0: And then they made a bunch of movies about a bunch of little people walking in the woods. That's what Lord of the Rings was to me.
2: Mm,
3: well, it was about also trying to get home. I love I love some of the bits Right, from- they mm. were
0: walking, yeah. trying to get home. It was just yeah. a lot of walking, and then they walked some more, and then they finally got to the place they were going, you know, trying to get to, so they could drop the ring. Then they dropped the ring, and then they, they got to walk back home. It's a lot of walking in that movie. Like, couldn't, like, the wizard just, like, create some kind of, like, a a uh, big bird or something so Frodo could just like hop on
2: it and well, just they occasionally, fly him to the... Occasionally do you Tol- when you see what Tolkien... a lot easier. No, when you see what Tolkien is actually doing in that trilogy, the whole point is he's describing an age and he's describing what happens to that age and kind of the the, the foundational story is this is how the world of the age of men, the age of human beings, men, came to be mm-hmm. out of all the chaos.
3: Was he also describing the industrial, industrialization? Well, he was describing
2: Europe in 1938. Yeah. That's, that's what correct. he was describing. Yep. Yeah. Because that's when it was written in the 1930s as mm-hmm. Nazism and fascism began to spread across Europe.
0: Middle-earth have- was really Nazi Germany. By the way, we have a caller who's joined the show. Caller, you're live on Future
5: Theatre. Welcome. Hey, good evening. How's everyone doing?
2: Good, good evening. You.
5: Welcome. This is Jeff. Hi, Jeff.
2: I haven't called
5: in a while. Hi,
2: Jeff. How Jeffist? are you?
5: Hey, doing great. Hey, it's a great topic tonight. Um, you are talking about Tolkien and the um, the various storylines outside right. of the main plot.
2: Right. Right.
5: And I think one of the ones that um, I I read the books extensively as a child, but when the movies came out, I liked the movies. But one of the storylines that I really too much walking,
0: right? Just too much walking in those movies. Yeah.
5: Well, I mean, the book—if you read it—it's pretty interesting. Yeah, they're they're because if you look at a couple of characters that the movies, you know, they focused on them a little bit, but not a lot. Was Marian Pippin?
2: Right. Of course. Yeah.
5: Right, and I think what they never touched on in the movies was when Mary and Pippin were with the Ints, they uh, drank a, from a special spring that came out of the ground, and they were called Ent Drafts, like a draft of beer.
2: Right.
5: So they drank these int Drafts, and by the time they were actually in the main battle, um, the battle scene at the end of the movie.
0: They were Ent Drunk um,
5: at that point. No, know. they were as tall as humans. You're right, uh, right wow. exactly. Right. No, right. The end drafts yeah. actually made them grow. And they were as small ah. as humans. And so Frodo not Frodo, but um the other Sample? people who'd known them Sample? before, they hadn't met him yeah. at the battle. Yeah.
2: yeah.
3: Wow. because well, wow. So that so some kind of potion changed them forever. The
5: Ents. Yeah, I, I it's not even a potion. It was it was it was like this m- magical... magical. Um, Elixir from the the Middle Earth region, that so made the, the Ents right. come to life. It made the trees come to life, and it made them grow into almost the size of humans.
0: Even the trees walked in those movies,
3: man. It's true. It's true. But why, what, what was Tolkien meaning when he had the trees come alive and all that? Where, where is he getting all that, do you think?
2: Because this is – because what he's doing, there's a very, very – okay, there's a very what famous – Okay, so we'll go right through the break, but there's a very, very famous old English poem – called The Dream of the Cross. It's called The Dream of the Rood, And in this poem, it is the tree that is being chosen for the cross of Jesus Christ. And so old English poetry at that point was at the time that Christianity um, was just taking over Anglo-Saxon England. And so what the Anglo-Saxons were doing was they were taking Christianity and they were blending the story of Christianity and the and the dogma and the ritual and the tales of Christianity into anglo into germanic but it 's anglo saxon but it 's Germanic heroic poetry so it 's basically the, this really intriguing little poem about this tree that is going to become the cross and becomes the cross. Mm-hmm. And he says that as a warrior for Christ, what he really wanted to do was mm-hmm. was move and swing his arms and just destroy the Roman soldiers that were gathered. Mm-hmm. But he had to stand there mm-hmm. and have nails driven into him with Christ because that mm-hmm. was his job. And so it's this blending of what... Um, uh, a a member of a king's retinue, of a lord's retinue must do to defend or avenge the king but yet it's a Christian so what he must do is allow Christ to die on the cross so it's really an intriguing poem that story of that tree, that's what informed the whole story of the Ents in um, Lord of the Rings It's a
5: blending of cultures, right? We're talking about the druids the druids of, yeah right we're we're talking about these polytheistic societies and blending in with the monotheistic and and you get a crossover right of their culture between the christian culture it 's very similar with Christmas and you have a Christmas tree or with the um, Easter, and you have the Easter bunny and eggs. Right. That has nothing to do with Christianity. That Absolutely, just has, to, has to do with the cultural festivities of that time of year.
2: Right, because because Easter, the name Easter comes from the German goddess Eostra, who is the goddess of fertility and right, type of
5: reproduction. Right? right,
2: exactly. That's why there's so much, and the woman needs an
5: egg. It's going produce. on exactly. Indeed.
2: That's why that yeah. Uh, that's why, but the whole point. Uh, What Tolkien was doing was he was taking all these stories from Old English and all these, and of course, uh, the Ring of the Nibelungs, right? It was all these Germanic tales of the Nibelungs, and he was taking all that because that was the story of the Golden Ring of the Nibelungs, and he took that and he made this, and ostensibly it was a children's tale, but in the children's tale— He's telling the story of basically the quest, the hero in the quest, the unlikely hero, and the whole world, all the elements of nature coming together to defeat this unbelievable evil, which was uh, Sauron.
3: And we have Adam, I believe, in the wings, just saying, since we're talking about... Adam is joining
2: us, so what we'll do is... Let's take our break now.
3: And Ms. C., Chef, thanks you for your question. Thank you, Chef. Okay, chefs. thank
2: you. Okay, we'll take a break and we'll come back with our guest, Adam Go Rightly. So, we are your co host, Bill. That's me and Nancy Burns on Future Theater on BSN Radio and the Dark Matter Digital Network. Coming back right after these messages. So, stay with us, folks, Or Adam Go
6: Wrightly. Stay still- up.
5: Gold Rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A. A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more.
7: And more. Superman 4,734
8: UFO sightings in 2007. Or abductions by aliens or unknown species reported by American and British citizens instant downloadable information from the largest selection of ufo products on the internet by going to the or call on the 24-hour seven-day-a-week order line at 541-523-2630 the truth is out there and the has it
2: And we are back with our guest Adam Gowrightly on Future Theatre on PSN Radio and the Dark Matter Digital Network. Thank you for joining us, Adam. It's really good to hear your voice again.
6: Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys.
2: So, um, I know that we're all really busting to find out the real story. What fascinated you about Tuesday Weld, but... Nancy has advised me to go conventional first. So yeah, we'll, we'll do the yeah.
3: Tuesday World second. But I, I wanted tonight, um, a thing we haven't talked about very much at all, and I was listening to some of our older shows with you. So um, I thought we'd talk about tonight Robert Anton Wilson mm-hmm. to start with, because I believe that you are, are you his official biographer at this point, would you say?
6: no. In fact, somebody else is doing a biography of him right now. Oh. So <laughs> I'm not, I know, you know, quite a bit about him and his involvement with uh, Discordianism and how, you know, the uh, evolution of uh, the Illuminatus trilogy, how that came to yeah, be. Yeah, t- remit- tell, st-
3: tell, tell us how you met.
6: Well, I met him through, uh, I started working on a book on Kerry Thornley around. Uh, Oh boy, it was around the year two thousand. And uh Thornley just Briefly, you know, he was uh, one of the founders of the Discordian Society, kind of the spoof religion. But he also had a connection to Lee Harvey Oswald and uh, the Kennedy assassination. And Jim Garrison thought Thornley was involved, was an Oswald double, all this crazy stuff. And later on, Thornley claimed he was a MK Ultra mind con- mind mm-hmm. control victim and a uh, Nazi genetic. Breeding experiment. All this stuff fascinated me about the guy, and so <laughs> he had been friends with Robert Anton Wilson. So I decided to write this biography of Thornley. Of course, I mm-hmm. uh, sought out Robert Anton interview uh, Wilson for an interview, and that's how I met him back in okay. two thousand and one. Yeah.
3: Okay, and he had uh, and Thornley when we were talking about Thornley on our last show. We had mentioned to you that it was Sandra London that had hooked,
2: I guess, Bill up with yeah, Thornley. Yeah, I, I met Kerry Thornley. So, um, Th- yeah. It was all the way back in 1992
7: mm. Sandra okay. London.
2: Yeah, because yeah. I'd been working with, uh, when we were before we got to California, back in the 80s, I was uh, working with Joel Norris for the book Serial Killers, and mm-hmm. through and we were, had met Sandra London, who contacted us about Otis Toole, who then was still alive. He was in prison in Florida, and it was through that connection that we met Kerry, uh, that I met Kerry Thornley, and was going to do a book with him. Actually, um, oh, cool. Never came to
6: be. Well, um, uh, I was I wasn't aware of that.
2: Yeah,
3: um, Adam, were you uh, are you aware of uh, Robert Morningstar to start with, the fellow Robert Morningstar?
6: Uh, somewhat. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with the name, but uh, I think he's done some stuff on the K- yes U- UFO Digest. He's done a lot of stuff on the Kennedy on
3: the That's Kennedy funny. thing. Yep. and he said that he is the one who brought up the um, uh, Lordy, uh, Cruz father. Rafael Cruz, Raphael yep. Cruz, being in New Orleans, in the same circle. So, I mean, have have you followed that one at all?
6: Uh, not much. Uh, <laughs> to tell you the uh, truth, I haven't seen any uh, really overwhelming evidence that uh, really suggests it's Ted Cruz's father.
3: Well, that's well, uh, that's we're going to have uh, Robert on in a couple of weeks, and we'll ask him about it, but. Um, I don't know whether you know whether the, the Cruz story intersects with the Thornley story, but um, and I can't find it right off right, right at the moment. But but the someone else said that they leaked this story to the Nation, not Robert Morningstar, and that person has been found dead. So I point that out.
6: Sure, think, yeah, I've heard <laughs> heard some of these rumors swirling around. Now I haven't yeah. looked too deeply into yeah. it, but yeah, pretty interesting. Yeah, so but, yeah, that. it's something that as uh, soon as Trump heard that he latched on to it and uh
0: well, started that, I, re- oh,
6: repeating that,
0: it. <laughs> but the funny thing me? about it though, Nancy, when 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 talking to Robert, uh it almost he made almost sound like the uh you know, the involvement that Ted Cruz's father had was not only minimal, but that it almost uh, oh. made Oswald look like he was a good guy.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, a Patsy, well, a the, patsy the, and a good guy, yeah.
6: The involvement seems to be uh, Oswald was handing out those Fair Play for Cuba leaflets. Right, right, right. 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 At, and, and there's that picture in front of the international trademark. It's called Where Clay Shaw worked. That's kind of another connection. Mm. And so they're saying the guy, one of the uh, individuals helping him pass out those leaflets, was uh, Ted Cruz's father now. Uh, it's been said in the past that Oswald hired a couple people to uh, help him. If it was Ted Cruz's uh, father, I'm just playing. The How sp- old would he have been at that point, though, Adam? Very young, right? Like a teenager or late teens? Ted,
3: no, the father. Early twenties.
6: The father. Uh, not, I don't know exactly. I've seen. I saw uh, Ted Cruz with his father, and his father looks like he's in his. Uh, 70s, maybe 80s. Right. So, would, yeah, the he timing. Would been, seems he right. would
2: have been in his 30s or 20s at this point.
6: 20s. Let's say he's in his 20s. Maybe he just got hired to
0: hand all these flyers. He didn't know any mm-hmm. better.
6: Right, right. That's what. That's where I was going. But we'll, well see if anybody comes up with any. You know, he's the patsy or the patsy. That's what that was.
2: But as it turned out, Clay Shaw was in fact a CIA operative. He was a. Uh, he was a, He was a confidential informant for the CIA, a non-official cover officer.
6: Uh, i wouldn 't go that he didn 't rise to
2: that height no he was a, he was a confidential informant he was a CIA an
6: asset
2: yeah yeah he was an asset
3: but Clay, he wasn't, was, he, yeah, he wasn't
2: um, uh, a, a, a knock for the CIA
3: well Adam, as a crackpot historian um, which and also a conspiracy um, scholar let 's just say wh- what do you think of of today 's uh, presidential race, you know including the the Cruz. Um, little thing there.
6: What do you think of <laughs> Trump, the person? Did um, you hear the quote by P.J. O'Rourke uh, recently?
3: No, no.
6: He said he's voting for the second worst thing that could happen to America. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm. <laughs> he's not voting far for off
6: for, voting <laughs> for Hillary.
0: Oh, that's no—that's the worst thing that could happen to America. <laughs> that's an American know. nightmare right there. That's horrific.
6: Not some—not uh, very good choices there, no. But I think, yeah, man, it's a big circus show. Yeah. Unfortunately,
0: those are our elected leaders. <laughs>
2: well, I mean, look, I'll lay down my marker. Um, I think that Hillary is really being unfairly um, castigated. I mean, she's been in the public eye ever since um, she married Bill and the two of them went to Arkansas right from Yale. And um, she's just been getting a lot of knocks. And mm-hmm. if she were a guy, I mean, I will take the reverse from Donald Trump. If, if she were a guy, everything that people are saying about her that's negative would be positive. She'd be an aggressive guy who's a, a heavy-duty politician who, who games can get the things is done, necessary. who doesn't take any guff from people, who, uh, who, uh, who stands up for herself. I mean, look, they, uh, they try to even... Trey Gowdy, who's no great mastermind himself, but even Trey Gowdy in the house, his own military advisor said that the stupid Benghazi thing was just a big force. And so and yet she had to sit there and take abuse from these people, the same people that um, gave her abuse when she proposed a health plan that now Bernie Sanders is saying is his, um, for 11 hours. Uh, uh, Yeah,
6: I agree with you. She handled that Benghazi uh,
2: uh, i mean, But it was more than that. Well. But it was more than that. It, uh, what was so infuriating was that it was the House itself, the very people holding those hearings were the ones who cut the funding for those consulates around the world that cut the funding for security.
6: Which yeah, is well, one of the
2: reasons Benghazi happened in the first place.
6: There's, there's always got to be a scapegoat for these things. Of course, of <laughs> and course if it's yeah, if no. it's a democratic administration, then that's mm-hmm. you know who's going to get it.
2: No, and the fact is that there was an article what 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 really um, got me incensed was there was a, a, some dumb comment by John Stewart, who. Actually, I have a a thing that I want to really get Jon Stewart on. When Annie Jacobson wrote the book about Area 51, she threw – and this was a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Annie Jacobson threw in um, the story of what really happened at Roswell, Mm -hmm. which made no sense in her book on Area 51. I mean that was like – who cares, right? But she threw it in. Well, A – the story that she threw in was a cover story that was told to her by someone. The cover story was a short story by James Blish. Anthony Brigaglia found out who told her the cover story, but the cover story was a total joke. And I mean, it was just, uh, just to, in one sentence – that the crash at Roswell really was the Horton brothers flying wing that, uh, we, uh, that had been brought to Roswell and crashed and in it were mutilated children from Yosef Mengele. And that's what and really happened. In James at Roswell, delicious story? Right. This- and so John Stewart fell on his face and said, finally, right. somebody told the real story of Roswell. And, right. and, and I almost blew my stack. So that was one thing. And then, <clears throat> He was writing the other day where he gave some answer about why Hillary Clinton was inauthentic, was too brittle, didn't come across as like human. And and the fact was, it was a he's completely wearing blinders. If you had been what he what you're looking at with her is scar tissue. When you have that level of assault for 30 years of your life, this unrelenting assault for everything from the way you wear your hair to getting the Benghazi flu to foster gate to travel gate to Whitewater to this gate and that gate. After a while you become a very cautious with the media, very measured, and you add to that the fact that <clears throat> she's a lawyer. Now, when you're a lawyer, the the mental set from day one in your first day as a one L the, the mental set is look at the downside before you look at the upside. In other words, do no harm, take as little risk as possible because you're working for your client. You're not like a person who's working for himself or herself. You're working for, for your client. You're in an agent situation. So as a result, it's the client's interests that come first before yours. Consequently, you always have to look at the downside and be cautious. That's why when people talk about, oh, it was a very lawyerly statement, a very lawyerly this and a lawyerly that, because you know what can happen when you make a mistake and it's not you, but it's your client. And so that's so so she is imbued with that way of thinking, and that's how she spent her life ever since leaving law school. And so that's why she's the way she is. But then the, the magic of Hillary Clinton is that everybody loves her when she has a job and she's doing her job. She's well-loved. Her ratings are high. She gets this praise. She's quiet. She works hard. She does all the right things. But when she runs, oh, she's too aggressive. She's a politician. She doesn't mean what she says. And yet, She's just like every other politician in any party that you're talking to. She could be Paul Ryan. If uh, I mean, that's mm-hmm. how political my she thing, is. My thing about her and is not that, it's not that she's
0: – Yeah, but the thing is with her, I don't think is – at least for me, it's not that she's aggressive. Is the, the fact that she lies on a consistent basis. Tell she me li-
4: tell she me. Li- Tell oh,
0: e- oh, very easily. She's come, uh, in fact, in the last uh, election, this election, she's been uh, very heavily talking about NAFTA. You guys know about NAFTA, right?
2: Go ahead. Talk okay. about NAFTA.
0: Well, hold on. The, the, you know, about everybody knows NAFTA. Everybody knows NAFTA. NAFTA, everybody the, knows the, NAFTA. The traffic, right. She is against NAFTA. Now she's completely 100% against it. She said that she's been against it from the beginning, yada, yada, yada. This is a whole, this is a, actually, there's a video on YouTube. This this is really is NAFTA
2: together. not the Trans-Pacific Trade Partnership?
0: Well, NAFTA, correct. She is against NAFTA, but here's the thing: Who was the one that actually put NAFTA into into a George
2: bill? H. W. Bush? No,
0: actually, it was Bill Clinton, her wow. husband. Bill Clinton, yes, yes, no, Clinton
2: yes, yes. yes. He's
0: on his sign that over. She so was
2: no, yes, it was. I will show you the video, and you'll be like, "Oh damn!" It was having a good, law. good old
6: political it argument. Was here. I'm telling you, it I'm was telling you. Was here.
2: law, telling law. By the time Bill Clinton came into it was law.
0: It had Bill been, Clinton is the one that signed it. She was for no, it. She's on video. She is on video. No, he right, implemented, she implemented, it implemented it as a
2: matter of she, law.
0: Okay, but she is on video saying that she is for it, how NAFTA is great, and how it's going to work. She's supporting sometimes, her husband. But sometimes... And nobody Well, that knew is called being two-faced and ma- a liar.
2: Nobody knew the consequences of NAFTA when George H.W. Bush negotiated... I understand, it, but, then,
0: but say that. Don't say, that. I've always been against something.
5: she she
3: has said stuff like that she says lengthy things like that and people just say oh she's just flipping around but but here's when you speak about lying the 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 most egregious lie i've seen in a long long time is when donald trump just recently said now that's not me on that i never heard that before on on that stupid john Barron stuff where he's pretending miller
2: stuff i mean actually he actually that would have gone away that would have gone away and you're right. It was 25 years ago. But it's an unnecessary he was this lie. It's jerk gonna... in his 30s, no. um, running around with women, and the whole thing. He could have laughed it off and said, "Boy, was I an idiot back then!" But he lied about it three days ago. See,
3: I was going to congratulate us that we did not go off on a, on a political tangent before Adam came on, and I simply wanted and Adam. And then we support.
0: did it as soon as Adam it, got here.
3: Yeah, because. <laughs> uh, because yeah. Well, you know, you know that that nothing is as it seems, so I wondered what you thought of this new slate. I mean, are you hoping for a fourth or fifth party as the only hope for us, or what, what do you think?
6: Well, it ain't going to happen this election cycle, so yeah, <laughs> you have the two choices. You know, the there's factions in the Republican Party talking about a third candidate, but yeah. if that's, that's going to happen, happen, they better get so, after And if it does happen, so. it's just going to take away – Votes from Trump, so.
2: And the thing that's infuriating is just what kind of a lie the Bernie Sanders campaign is. Because if Bernie, first of all, because this real, I I was going to write a blog on this. If Bernie Sanders, you know, I mean, he actually goes on camera and admits the only reason he's running as a Democrat is that he can't get media traction as an independent. Then he complains that other independents. Who don't belong. I, I got into a fight by the way. At, at our local primary polling station. With an independent voter. I got into a fight with her. Because she starts to create a scene. That she's mad that she can't vote in this election. So she's standing next to me. So I finally turned to her. This is why I get in trouble. So I finally turned to her. And, and I said. Where do you see the independent polling booth. There's the Republican polling booth. There's the Democratic polling booth. Where's the independent polling booth? Oh, I'm an independent. I should get to vote. I said, but if you don't belong to a political party, why should you vote in the political party that you don't belong to? That that obviously makes sense. She says, but what about my vote? And I said, there's a general election coming in about seven months. You vote then. You don't vote in a party you don't belong to. You want to the party, you register to a party and you vote in the party. You don't want to vote for that party, you change your registration. When I was in California, I was a Republican, because all the nut cases in California were Republican. Now that I'm on the East Coast, now I'm a Democrat. Why? Because the nut cases are, 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 are Democratic. So, I mean, it doesn't really matter. So, so why would you complain that if you're not in a political party, you can't vote in a political party? That's the stupidest thing I ever I, heard. I, I agree.
0: And Bill, there's nut cases on both sides. Side of the equation here. I know, but uh, still
2: it made me furious. And so so for Bernie Sanders to say I'm running as a Democrat so I can get media traction, but I'm really, I'm really a socialist. Well, you know, Bernie, go run the Socialist Party if you want to run for president. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Yep. You know, I mean, yep. that's infuriating. Yep. Then if you're going to run and you're saying there's going to be a revolution, um, excuse me, you're a <laughs> revolution of one? I'm sorry. I thought revolution took people So there's a whole Congress out there. So let's say that the impossible happens and you actually win. Now you're sitting in the White House. You're a socialist. Great. And then who are you going to go for all your magnificent tax bills? Oh, wait a minute. That's Paul Ryan, the most powerful person in the American legislature right now, the person who determines which bills. So unless you have a Democratic House of Representatives... You're not getting anything passed, period, end of story. And by the way, how much money are you giving because there's a chance for the Democrats to recapture the Senate? So if you're a big Democrat making hundreds of millions of dollars in donations, how many of those donations are going to candidates that are running? None. And yet you want to appoint a Supreme Court justice, Uh, say, wait a minute, you know that the Senate has to approve that, right? I mean, it's a fraud candidacy.
0: It is. Uh, by the way, 423, you're live on Future Theater. We have a caller.
9: Uh, correction. Bill Clinton did sign NAFTA December 8, 1993. Oh. Thank you. He had to but implement it was, the
2: treaty. It was law by the, the Senate. The Senate. The Democrat
9: Senate it. in uh, December uh, of ninety three passed it. A treaty was signed in 92, but many people were screaming about how bad it was, um, the first being Perot, but Bill Clinton si- signed it when it became a law. Right. It was not binding on America until Bill Clinton bound America to it. When and look one, at the videos it,
0: online.
2: Nobody, when one president implements something, like the Bay of Pigs.
0: Yeah, but you got to understand nafta is part of the reason why the economy in this country has taken a dump because a lot of the jobs are going overseas, they're getting outsourced because of nafta. We're losing jobs because of NAFTA, but so, when, you, Hillary, so is, when Hillary, so when Hillary, when Hillary Clinton saying, it goes on the defense saying, "Oh, NAFTA is great, NAFTA is going to be awesome," and then it fails, and now she's flip flopping saying, "Oh no, NAFTA is a disaster." NAFTA I was always it against it. it.
2: As it turned out, but don't don't use the, the lingo. I was always against and it and when.
0: But but the thing is, don't use that term. I was always against it from the beginning. When you know you clearly weren't, because your husband is the one that signed it into law, and you were supporting your husband, like you said, Bill. Whether that's the reason she was doing it or not, the fact is she is on record multiple times supporting it endorsing it going on on tv doing interviews all kinds of stuff and then now she's flip-flopping saying oh well you know it 25 yeah, it years, failed. years ago it failed it, my bad but that was Whoops.
2: 25 years ago but, but we, 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 we so have the
0: repercussions terrible. now that's the thing the last times- 10 years is where we're really hurting because of NAFTA yes.
2: first right. of all it's not NAFTA that's done it or one of the things that's really happened. We're switching
3: to Tuesday Weld, you know. We're going to do that. I know.
2: (laughs) Never. (laughs) I think probably...
0: Thank you, caller, by the way. Yeah, that's Uh Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin.
3: That's not Kevin. That's Kevin? That's not Kevin. It's Kevin, right? That's Charles. No. Charles. It's Charles.
6: It's Charles. Uh,
9: But still, one thing, the other thing about Hillary, how can you justify they are worth $2.2 billion because the foundation... No money is going to anything except them. And in just a matter of 16 years, they went out of the White House, broke. They have done nothing but her Senate job. They, they have not and had any, of State. They have had no means of support, legitimate means of support. Speeches. To making a speech.
2: Why is the foundation, wait, wait, wait. Why is the foundation that's Bill Clinton's foundation? It's only hers much later. Remember when they left the White House in 2000, she was, she, uh, she ran for the Senate and won, and she won for two terms. So she couldn't be a part of the foundation. So she's out of that. In 2008, when she left the Senate, she ran for president, but in, by 2009, she was Secretary of State. So for, the ensuing- Do you think
9: that she wasn't a rainmaker? That that uh, they were hoping that Pillow Talk uh, would get uh, things passed, which it does every single time? That's the only reason she was working for the Rose Law Firm because her husband was the governor and she was
2: well, he'd getting favors uh,
9: for Walmart.
2: Was he the attorney general first in Arkansas?
9: He was the attorney general. Right. And then she worked. Uh, while he was the governor, she was on the Rose Law Firm and right, a rainmaker. Right, worked in Rose
2: Law Firm exactly,
9: and a rainmaker. And her primary uh, uh, portfolio was Walmart and Tyson Food, and but she I got all the di- all the concessions to allow them me, to go into there. But tell uh, me
2: why that's bad. No, I, I'm serious. I, um, I'm uh, not trying to be naive. What uh, what I'm saying is. Well, tell well, me, what, on the tell point me what's of it, illegal about people, that. They, there
9: is not supposed to be any collusion. Uh, a spouse is not supposed to collude and do favors and get other people to do things. They didn't elect her. And, they, and she was crossing over the job from one job. Her job When well, uh, no, his job. They did
2: elect her. When you elect somebody, when you elect somebody who's married... You're electing that couple. I mean, believe me. they are, we are legally electing, not supposed to be lobbying that person. Melania Trump um, uh, 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 to be first lady. I mean, that's who they elected. So yeah, they elected Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton Came out of a generation, the class of 1969, a very, very early generation, where women were taking more and more of a role. I mean, I, I get sympathetic to that mainly because of my age. But yeah, I guess We want
3: to get back to. I
2: know, I know, but it just—it's it, it just, <laughs> not happening, Nancy. It it's go. not happening. <laughs> I'm just—I'm just very sympathetic to that because well,
3: next week, next week, we can talk about this Good in segment. the first half hour. You say, but okay.
9: but uh, but Tuesday is you you do need to get to Tuesday because she Tuesday was Tuesday Weld why oh, yeah, she was wow. the, one of the ultimate vamps. And uh if it wasn't for Anne Margaret, uh Tuesday Weld and uh Sandra D, she was a little too oh, nice. That but she was a little too perfect. But those are what got uh Teenage Boys through the sixties. <laughs>
3: Right, but I, believe, I believe that Tuesday Weld is sort of the poster child for the Illuminati. and
9: mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and so maybe Acor- we could according to it. some people. Go yeah. ahead. Go ahead, Adam. Go ahead, Adam. <laughs> spin, she was spin, like a teenage. Spin, spin, the ta- kind of spin, a t- spin the tail.
6: Well, this whole thing with Tuesday Weld got started. Jeez, uh, I heard about this back... Uh, it's over, been over 10 or so years ago as part of a uh, Yahoo group on psychedelic Texas music, and <laughs> somebody in that group mentioned something about Tuesday Weld being the uh, Illuminati high priestess. Yeah. I thought, wow, wow, that's kind of strange. So I got a hold of this uh, guy who posted to the group. His name was Douglas Hawes, and he said he had a source that had all the, knew about all these Tuesday Weld revelations, and the source was this character by the name of uh, Jeffrey Turner who lives in San Francisco or excuse me, not San Francisco Santa Cruz, uh, California so I met up with uh, these two fellows and they uh, shared with me their all their revelations in this regard
3: and this is Jeffrey Turner
6: and a, a fellow named Douglas Haas and I've Douglas become Thomas. friends with these uh, guys over the years now what uh Jeffrey Turner claimed was that uh, very early on, Tuesday Weld, and I know this <laughs> sounds pretty out there and I don't necessarily buy into all this but uh, it seems to have touched a nerve when I wrote an article about all of this a few years ago. And uh, Turner claims, yeah, from a very early age, Tuesday Weld was groomed in the Illuminati to be the high priestess and Working behind the scenes basically uh, influenced the uh, 60s counterculture and the emergence of the uh, psychedelic scene, and she was also doing some... Uh supposedly nefarious things uh, behind the scenes as well. Now, once again, this sounds like a totally preposterous you know, story, but after I wrote about what these guys shared with me, I started getting other people contacting me with their own Tuesday Weld tales that kind of pointed sort of to the same thing, that she was either involved in secret societies or she was in... Uh, head of some type of secretive crime uh, network. So uh, anyway, that's kind of the the gist of the uh, background on Tuesday Weld.
3: Well, what did the guys tell you they knew about her? What were some of the tales?
6: Well, that's kind of basically it. Growing up, she had uh, some sort of uh, psychic, almost paranormal uh, powers, and... uh, you know she got involved being an actress, but she went out of her way not to be overly popular uh she kind of uh you know was involved in a lot of things behind the scenes, so she never pushed to be a huge actress, and she never quite was she never did make that uh huge leap and uh Jeffrey Turner told me that uh her apprentice was this uh lady, and i 'll say her uh First name is Christy. I won't share her last name, you know, because of, uh could uh, lead to some type of libel, perhaps. I never have mentioned her last name. Uh, this uh, young lady was a teenager around the same time Jeffrey Turner was. This was like in the uh, 60s, and uh, she was, uh, Tuesday Well was grooming this uh, young lady, Christy who was also a cheerleader at, (laughs) I forget, the high school there in the uh, Bay Area. And uh, Jeffrey Turner claimed that uh, she eventually took over the – illuminati uh tuesday's tuesday welds role in the illuminati and also became the uh lead person behind the uh, process church of the uh, final judgment you know who's been linked to all these uh wild stories like the uh manson family murderers and the son of sam
3: and this is christy not tuesday right
6: Correct. Yeah. And you know, they were involved with each other apparently Tuesday, as the story goes, <laughs> as I've been told, uh, Tuesday groomed, uh, this Christie who for many years, uh, led this, uh, crime syndicate that was also into, uh, black magic and all these, uh, wild stories. Once again, uh, Looking you know, closer into this case, uh, Douglas Hawes, who, you know, is the guy who introduced me to Jeffrey Turner, he uh, there was a uh, some uh, legal action uh, that uh, was pursued against uh, Christie and some of her uh, cohorts. Uh, I think this happened more like in the uh, late 70s, 80s, but... Uh, for some reason, a lot of the information got uh, suppressed, but uh, once again, there uh, allegedly there was uh, some trial uh, transcripts that uh, got suppressed in one way or another. So this information was never really released, and uh, Christy and her syndicate or her, her compatriots uh, were never uh, tried or pers- prosecuted for any of the... Uh, Bad juju they were supposedly involved with now once again, I say supposedly allegedly, because all you know these were stories that shared were shared with me, and I could never really verify any of this stuff other than having other people con- contact me and uh, share other well, little tidbits of the story that seem to suggest there might be something more to all of this
3: are we now, talking about m k ultra or are we talking about? The opposite, which it would be, Aleister Crowley and some kind of group with him. I mean, in other words, or MK Ultra,
2: or they, or both.
6: Well, possibly they could be involved in a little bit of uh, all of that. I don't. Uh,
2: well, MK Ultra started up in the very late 1940s, early 1950s. Mm-hmm. Uh, the um, well, Crowley was late 19th, early 20th century.
3: Yeah, but now we've also got Elron Ron Hubbard in the picture. Right. Right. Um, because he seems to have some connections with MKUltra. And you also mm-hmm. mentioned that Christy seems to have been around when the drugs were around. So she was somehow or another maybe supplying them with drugs?
6: Quite possibly if any of this story <laughs> is There's, actually true. Now, the story gets more bizarre. Let me take another step here. Uh, Jeffrey Turner claims um, – I'm trying to remember the name of the uh, singer now. Once again, I wrote this article about uh, 10 years ago. I need to look. uh, Okay, now
3: the singer, uh, you're talking about the fact that she, Christy, is mentioned in certain songs like Ruby Tuesday, I Am the Walrus, the Beatles, and also Barbara Ann.
6: Um, but that's not who you mean by art. By no, singer. there. Tiffany is Tiffany is oh, the Tiffany. young lady's name. She was a singer that emerged. In the- oh my
2: God! That,
6: <laughs> that <laughs> the young, the
2: <laughs> the Tiffany. That Tiffany from the malls. From the shopping malls.
6: I think I'm alone now. Yeah, the shopping mall gal who. Uh, I think
2: I'm alone
6: now. That's there. You go, Angel. Huh? So what, that's Jeffrey. That's- Jeff, that's- Jeff? Jeff? Claimed that uh, Tuesday or uh, Tiffany emerged on the scene in the late 80s as kind of a combatant of uh, Christie and uh, Tuesday Weld, and uh, Tiffany was ahead of something called the All Nations Movement, and that she was also an interdimensional time traveler. And she was like Tiffany, uh, the
0: pop singer.
2: <laughs> the, yeah, 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 that yeah. Tiffany,
6: the
0: one who dated that's one like, of the new kids on the block. Really? That's, that's what, I, tell, I, I told you this was kind of a wild.
6: This Wild video. story. This and is that, out there. I like this. Go, continue. This go is And, and so, uh, and apparently there was a secret marriage arranged between in my source here, Jeffrey Turner and uh, Tiffany at one point when they were uh, younger. Now, uh, don't ask me to get all in all, t- all the specifics, but.
3: Uh, but is Turner the guy with a helmet on your page? Mm-hmm.
6: And, yeah. And, and, d- and Tiffany's
3: going to go for him?
6: Yeah. <laughs>
0: I got a question, Adam, and this is legit mm-hmm. because to to me, all these pop stars are like demonic possessions come to life. Yeah. Um, is there any chance that since it was back in the 80s and 90s that uh, that Tiffany and like uh, what's this other uh, Debbie Gibson and New Kids and all these <laughs> other pop stars were all like put into position that they you know that they were in to like brainwash the youth and like do you think they were all kind of in on it? All these boy bands and all this pop stuff.
6: Well, apparently, yeah. Tiffany. <laughs> Tiffany's a good guy, though. But <laughs> yeah,
3: but t- is Tiffany a Christian warrior type now?
6: That's what uh, I uh, Perhaps. But, I
0: think they're all uh, evil, Nancy. I think they're all evil, all these pop stars, all of them.
6: The the weird twist to this story is that, you know, there was a secret uh, marriage arranged supposedly, but that didn't happen be- between uh, Turner and Tiffany. She got married to somebody else. But during this uh, period in the uh, late 80s, uh, Tiffany brought a lawsuit against her uh, parents so she could get uh, – basically uh, free herself. I, emancipated, say- emancipated, yeah. Emancipation. Yeah, I forget that Exactly. The and she won that case, and uh, Jeff Turner showed up, uh, I guess, at the, towards the end of the uh, trial to congratulate her, and he brought a bunch of carnations and a, a Japanese ceremonial sword, which is some type of uh, symbolic gift. The police arrested him at that time and he got locked up for <laughs> a brief period. And they said he was a stalker of uh, Tiffany and he claimed, well, he was just a fan and he was, uh, you know, there to uh, basically support and graduate, you know, congratulate her for her emancipation. Tiffany didn't uh, press any charges. Jeff went uh, free and they've, Kind of, they've been friends over the years. You can see some photos on the uh, web where he'll go to Tiffany concerts, and she uh, treats him very warmly. Oh, she's still doing concerts. She still is, actually. She was up to a couple of years ago. There's a it's movie. Amazing. There's a movie called "I Think We're Alone Now."
2: Yeah, there a is docu-
6: a documentary. If you look on the web, and it was probably from two thousand. It's about the time I met these guys. Uh, There was a documentary uh, maker doing this film about uh, Jeff Turner and another uh, Tiffany fan. Pretty interesting movie. Now, some would say that uh, Jeff Turner is a delusional stalker and all of these things. But, uh, you know, I've met the guy many times, and yeah, he certainly... uh, can go off when you start talking about uh, conspiracy theories and all this stuff but the guy is a vast font of knowledge and uh, perhaps he's got you know bits and pieces of the story uh, correct about Tuesday and the supposed christy <laughs> and well, well, who
3: was giving him uh the who was blessing the the supposed marriage between Jeff and Tiffany
6: Oh was, my god, we'd have to go back and read my article. I got the details. It was a family marriage arranged and I forget uh Tiffany is from another uh, country uh in the Middle East that that's uh, wow, wow. how those families do business. They arrange marriages. I mean, there's a <laughs> there's a lot of uh
3: Okay, I mean, now she's we're, not
6: white I don't believe so. No, uh, she, uh, she looks like it. She's very fair-skinned and red-haired, and you're asking me to remember a lot of details from right. something. <laughs> you just oh, ruined my childhood. You know that, right? <laughs> okay,
3: now what about, wh- where does the tale of Druid conspiracy come into this?
6: That's a whole part of the Illuminati-Druidic uh, connection that these guys uh, shared with me.
3: Because we were talking about that before you came on, I believe. We were talking about the Druids and the Ents in uh, Tolkien. Yeah, well,
0: she the Druids. She was connection. born, real quick, not to cut you off, oh, sorry, uh, Adam. Yeah. Um, she was definitely born in a strange land. Uh, she's, she was born in Norwalk, California.
6: She, uh, apparently, her heritage goes back uh, to the Druids. And uh, also, what's interesting, you know. Funny. She looks uh, they, Druish. They'd share – Jeff and Doug would share a lot of this stuff to me, you know, and they'd say stuff like, well, she comes from a powerful political family that's uh, really connected behind the scenes. And you look into it, yeah, the Weld family is uh, very connected going back uh, years and years. They're a powerful political family uh, back east somewhere.
3: Well, yeah, what's happening with Tuesday during all this Tiffany era?
6: Uh, Tuesday is losing her uh, power. You know, uh, Christie <laughs> supposedly uh, took over it. And then uh, you know, Tiffany was here to really unite a bunch of magical forces and uh, to fight for the good. Supposedly, according to Jeff Turner. So okay,
3: now what's happened to Jeff Turner since this whole
6: story? He's still he's still in Santa Cruz. And, and you,
3: are you in touch still?
6: I still am, and he is a unique uh, character. He, he, have you heard of the Adult Swim channel?
3: Mm-hmm, sure.
6: It's a comedy channel?
3: hmm yeah.
6: You, you might have seen him on there. They do spots with uh, Jeff Turner. He found a niche around the time I met him of doing these spots on Adult Swim where it's like they'll go, and they're just basically picking Jeff Turner's mind. Jeff, <laughs> what do you have to say about this? Wow. And Jeff is one of those guys that will just... He'll go off on a lot of uh, seemingly uh, crazy subjects with a lot of intensity and a piece of wealth of knowledge that uh, fellow. He also got involved in uh, stalking uh, uh, Alyssa Milano a few years back.
3: Yeah, I wrote that down too. That yeah.
6: (laughs) And basically, uh, shoot. Supposedly showed up at her house, and uh, he's got a whole story about it. And uh, I guess once again, Alyssa Milano was uh, someone he was uh, interested in. He thought she was a uh, good witch, but she turned out to be a uh, bad witch. I guess.
3: (laughs) Well, are these folks um, in communication with each other? She played a witch, and do I mean do they do these people feel they're actually okay? There is a sect of the Mormons, I found out, mm-hmm. um, that believes that it has to fight demonism one on one. And so they basically will infiltrate and they will be just as crazy as the, the group they're fighting. And I'm telling you, um, you realize this is all a weird drama going on in people's minds just to start with. But, um, sure. but under the, under the guise of a religion, and so you've heard of that, the, the, that Mormon subset that is ultra right wing and they believe they well, yeah. have. To, yeah. Wow. And and because there was a woman, I'm always looking for interesting YouTubes and I bet Jeff is going to be all over YouTube.
6: You'll Jeff find Turner. some stuff on Jeff yeah. for sure.
3: Yeah. And so, and then, okay. So then Thornley was entirely anti-Semitic. and No? N- no? Not at all. Wait. Yes, okay. I think Thornley. Maybe I'm in my research I had someone who was the 100% anti-semitic person. Uh maybe it's another maybe it's someone else in this um hierarchy of who likes who and who talks to who.
2: Wasn't really Thornley. Thornley was kind of even when I was speaking to him he was kind of out of it. I mean,
3: I'll go back in my little research here and I will pro- I probably kept the page open because I wanted to ask you about it. Um well, Yeah, because I was gonna because there's somebody who is so virulently anti-Semitic that it's just jaw dropping, and it was you know in the course of let's see, keep it open, yeah.
6: You see a lot of that in uh, you know the realm of uh, conspiracy coming out of. I mean, we were talking about, uh, touched a little bit upon the Illuminati and these legends of the Illuminati that have seemingly grown over the years. And, you know, partly Robert Anton Wilson was responsible for, uh, I think, you know, this is a theory of uh, helping revive the mythos with uh, the Illuminatus trilogy. And they did a lot of, pranks right. back that's in the 60s we, yeah. about yeah. the illuminati but uh, during that same period you had the uh, john birch society mm-hmm. that wrote uh, you know there's different people who authored books for the john birch society the famous one was Ner- Nunder, uh, none dare
2: none you call it treason. Call treason
6: treason by what was his name staying and uh, a few others that really believed in this Illuminati mythos and that it was basically the international banking conspiracy, which was really saying the international Jewish Jewish banking conspiracy and that the the, uh, Jew, you know, these same folks uh, basically ran to Hollywood and, you know, and that's type of, some of that paranoia led to the uh, whole blacklisting and all of that. But so there's this very anti-Semitic strain to, you know, certain uh, parts of... Uh, well, the, the- blacklisting in the late
2: 1940s really had more to do with the fact that a lot of the people that were, in- like the Dalton Trumbos, mm-hmm. that were involved in it, were actually communists. I mean, that's not, that's not far-fetched. In mm-hmm. Hollywood, in the 1930s, in fact, in throughout America in the 1930s, um, a lot of the union movement was... There were communist organizers in the union movement. Um, When you realize that almost one third of Americans were out of work and we were having this incredible climate problem in the Midwest and all the jobs had gone from working farms to Mm -hmm. working in the cities. um, In all that upheaval, um, there was a real sympathy in the American labor movement, I'm not saying that they were organizing communists to overthrow the government. I'm saying that there was really a sympathy for a lot of, let's say, Bernie Sanders-esque types of ideas, and, yeah. and uh, well, among Hollywood intellectuals. And of course, Dalton Trumbo was one of the leaders in that group. Stanley Kramer was in that group. There was um, uh, there was a, a lot of fomenting. About the fact that here were people in the entertainment industry writing screenplays that people were seeing that were actually communists, and that really was the reason Ronald Reagan was brought in. I mean, I, I hate to go off on this, but I mean that was yeah. one of the reasons Ronald Reagan was brought in. That the people who were most concerned about this, uh, bes- uh, besides your country club Republicans, were a good old-fashioned organized crime cartels like Sam Giancana's crime uh, cartel in Chicago who basically brought in people like Ronald Reagan to calm down the unions and to suppress that. and So the whole Hollywood blacklist of the late 1940s, the House on American Activity, and then later on um, uh, 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 Joe McCarthy in the Senate, all that grew out of this period right after uh, the war when Hollywood turned on its own writers for being seditious – and Ronald Reagan's appearance as head of SA- as the Screen Actors Guild and was to stabilize the industry, clean up the unions, cl- clean up the three guilds, directors, writers, and, and SAG, and um, purge communists out of the industry. And so that was that particular period from the late 1940s through the early 1950s.
6: Now, the connection with the John Birch Society, though, they latched on to communism as this uh, global conspiracy, you know, the, the whole New World Order takeover, and they link right. that back to the roots of the Illuminati. So, you know, that's why the legend kind of uh, started growing in the 60s, on you know, into the 70s. And nowadays, <laughs> you have really, I think, back in the... Uh, 80s with uh, some of the satanic panic stuff, and you had, once again, uh, extreme people on the right who were anti-Zion and these type of things were also the authors of books. uh, Like Fritz Springmeier wrote this thing, The Bloodlines of the Illuminati, and a lot of people started connecting that with this trauma-based mind control, and you had uh, a lot of... uh, the supposed mind control victims popping up then, you know, with uh, like Kathy O'Brien and others who were also... You still do? There was the whole McMartin group too, Mm -hmm. the satanic... Oh,
3: yeah, and and the McMartin thing coincided. Uh, I'm a baby boomer, and so up until the millennials came upon the earth, and now they are a bigger group, up until that point, anything the baby boomers did kind of made news, right? And so...
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, that's the same thing, uh, you know, and, and I mean, that's the same kind of mentality with uh, the Amityville horror. Like, what is the worst horror of your nightmare dream? Like you buy this house and it turns out to be haunted. Well, yeah, now I mean, what are you, you going to do? Call the real the walls estate walls. agent. But the, I mean,
3: but the but the ba- but the uh, satanic thing coincided with. Uh, Reagan was in office and he was pushing he was pushing from the bully pulpit and it was all throughout my little culture that you should be out there having a job you should be working as well you shouldn't be home having taking care of babies uh, you should have a career yeah. because at that point the economy was needing two salaries to support um, the household whereas before it was only one well at that time, a lot of women were to- were running to the workforce, tossing their kids in wor- in um, daycare, and this satanic thing rose up. I think as a total guilt trip among the women. That's exactly right. You know, it feels like, you know, the way they turned on this teacher, saying, "Oh," and they're and they're digging, and, and these these um, fantasies of what was going on were so porn horrific. You know, they were so porn tinged. In there and this
6: down into the nineties too. Once you know, once that information gets out there, whether it's, you know, bad <laughs> and a lot of it was inaccurate and confabulations and made up stuff, but uh you know, once it got out there and people endorsed it, it's just like on uh, social media these days, people post stuff. <laughs> right. That's <laughs> well, uh, true. I, mean
2: look, I mean, look at what you're seeing now with the whole anti vaccination movement. I mean, that is the yeah. real fear of parents who want to do the best for their kids. They're told by doctors to vaccinate the kids, and now suddenly the kid turns out to be autistic, may have no relationship whatsoever to the uh, vaccines yeah. the kid got, but just the timely correlation uh is enough to say they're autisticizing. They're putting our kids on the spectrum through vaccinations, and, and so that is the next wave of paranoia sweeping new parents.
3: I think the most brilliant thing um, the advertising agencies and the pharmacies have created is the concept of a spectrum. Once you give people that, you can, you, can, you can drug them so much quicker than if you've got, you know, you do have a disease or you don't have a disease, you're on the spectrum. You're in a precondition. That's
2: right. Same yeah. thing with ADHD. I mean, you have you have um, uh, you have teaching assistants um, for children as young as three and four years old pre-K kids who are recommending these are like teachers aides. These are like glorified babysitters. Since I taught at a school that taught teachers, believe me, I can be as derogatory as I want to, as I have to be. Um, these are people with like the skills of ants who are now diagnosing four year old children who seem too hyperactive, probably because their parents gave them too much sugar in their tang. And so, um, they're now diagnosing these kids for let 's really inject these kids with um, um, drugs that will cause, that will make them more focused so they don 't won 't have um, um, attention deficit disorder and the drugs are mainly methamphetamines, yeah. so like painkillers are mainly heroin so um, you uh, 've got kids that are addicted to methamphetamines. Right at uh, right the time that they're school age, they can graduate to painkillers that are really heroin. By the time they're teenagers, so by the time they're in their thirties, they're committing suicide. And then we wonder why um, why uh, working class white families have the highest suicide rates in the history of the United States.
3: Well, um, did, does Jeff Turner admit to taking any drugs? Since he seems like an interesting dude. <laughs>
6: He has, uh, oh, but my brain isn't working now. He has that uh, condition that is called dot, 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 dot. Uh, Epilepsy? No. It's, it, oh, God, I can't think of Tur- the
3: Tourette? Tourette's?
6: You're getting close. Keep going. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's a. Uh,
3: like a palsy? No.
6: No, it's on the uh, tip of my tongue. Hold on just a second here.
3: Well, he's wearing I'll, a helmet. I'll,
6: I'll, I'll get in, the, I'll get the term for you. Hold on.
3: Cool. See, now, he I believe he also believes he is working with the CIA. That's why I wanted to get back to okay. Jeff Turner. He seems like a real kingpin in this whole, or a linchpin in this whole little story. And the story, he's still alive. I think the story's still going on. And it really, you have to go to... You have to go to Adam's page and read it, but it's just it goes on. See, I think they've seen Tuesday Weld in ceremonies. I believe there are photos, perhaps.
6: Okay, I'm back. Okay, Okay. uh, what did you find? The the term is Asperger's. It was a oh
2: Asperger's,
6: escaping my uh, memory. So I had syndrome. That
2: That is at the very lower end of the autism spectrum. Right, Asperger's syndrome
3: everybody has Asperger's because it, you can get away with all kinds of bad behavior if you say you have Asperger's
2: just say all the thousand mothers so need to write their emails to you right now don't we go to facebook
3: wait say again
6: <laughs> Say again, Adam? <laughs> but if you met uh, Jeff if you met Jeff Turner you you know he certainly exhibits the extreme end of uh, Asperger's with, right uh, You know, that uh, people are kind of in their own little world and – are you guys still there?
2: Yeah, we're right here. And so does he have to walk um, against walls or something?
6: (laughs) Well, uh, you know, part of it is just you don't uh, really relate to – people real well and you know getting in a conversation with Jeff sometimes it's very a very one-sided thing where he'll he'll just uh talk your head off and he's not really aware of you know other people's feelings or emotions a lot of the uh, time so you know that's the more extreme end of uh Asperger's but you know also it's like similar to autism and these other things that there's a, a little bit of a mad genius quality of these people as well.
3: Yes, yes. Um, why is he telling you anything in the first place? Does he have a re- um, like a goal in telling you stuff?
6: He's just uh, likes to uh, <laughs> so share you, his knowledge.
3: I mean, have you considered writing a book about this and have you talked to him about that?
6: I don't think I would... Uh, Write a book i've been working on a bunch of other stuff, but I you know have written a couple of rather long essays on Jeff Turner and Tuesday mm-hmm. Weld and all of these uh, crazy theories right which might you know be based on
3: <laughs> well, everybody's some named in this in this uh, yeah i mean've we've got we've got nazis yeah. we've got um, we've got dave emery we've got. Uh, Martin Borman. Of course, that's if, if, if you know Dave Emery, Martin mm. Borman's not far behind. Right,
2: exactly.
6: <laughs> what, 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 what article are you looking at right now? Uh, this is your article
3: called More on the Tuesday World Psychedelic Illuminati Conspiracy. It's maybe from 2009, okay. from 2009, I believe.
6: That's, that's, that's on my, uh, WordPress site.
3: Yeah, on un- untamed dimensions.
6: On my blog.
3: Yeah, on your blog.
6: Okay, that might that might that that might have been an article somebody else wrote that I posted there that was uh, commenting on uh, my uh, previous uh, articles I wrote about Tuesday Well. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. sure that's what it is. You started yeah. mentioning Mark. Martin borman and some other stuff, and I go. I didn't remember writing about that, but uh, apparently well, the, it, the uh, link,
3: the link to uh, the link you provide is long gone. So we don't. So maybe it did mm-hmm. come from. Yeah, I I actually I actually worry about that a lot. I take a lot of notes where I just cut and paste something from the web,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and and it's in a kind of a note uh, an, an um indispensable note taking device. It's called uh NVALT. Okay. And it, uh, if you know notational velocity, it, this is freeware and so forth, but the best note-taking devices. Mm. Anyway, notational velocity. Um, and whenever you cut and paste in there, you know, it's like it sounds like I'm writing all this stuff. And, you know, as a writer, you want to have your stuff somehow distinguished from all the other stuff you're pulling from the web. It's actually a problem particularly if you're going back through old notes sometimes you don't remember writing that and you realize I didn't write it you know I pulled it <laughs> off the web so i'm just saying saying and yeah.
6: and many many times i'll uh, look back on some of my old writing it's like did i write that <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, exactly
3: exactly so what are you working on uh,
6: about six different projects okay <laughs> and
3: what may <laughs> they be
6: a few of them are ufo related one is on uh, Dulce of all things.
2: Ah, what are you doing, and, at Dulce? Uh,
6: it really started as a uh, long essay I was working on. I was going to cl- include it on a in a book of a bunch of different UFO things wait, I've wait, written. Wait, no-
3: wait, 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 We, I, I, it's my fault. We need to take a
2: break. We're going to bring. We're going to start okay, with so Dulce. So it is past the bottom of the hour. Yeah, so we're getting my messages. Fault. Um, that we have to take a break. So, we're going to take a break for uh, a couple of minutes, do some commercials, come back, and then uh, you will tell us, Adam, what you are doing with the subject of Dulcie, New Mexico, and the Oh, um, This Mesa. is
3: from PJ Zimmerling. Don't go away yet.
2: Don't go away. So Here's we a joke. Are... He says,
3: My wife says I have half
2: Asperger's. <laughs> Who says that? <laughs> half Asperger's. Uh, one of our listeners. Okay, great. Zimmerling. Okay, so. Um, we are your co-host Bill. That's me and Nancy Burns on Future Theatre Live on PSN Radio and the Dark Matter Digital Network. Back after this
4: Roswell, UFOs, Flying Saucers, Alien Abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free ufo store catalog theufostore.com the largest selection of ufo products on the internet imagine no longer being tied down to your computer but having the freedom to take live
0: talk radio with you anywhere you go talk stream live introduces our first ever iphone application the talk shows you follow now follow you
4: 954-973-3374 That's 954-973-3374 Or visit KeyInformation.com
7: and more Superman
4: and
2: we are back on future theater live on PSN radio on the Dark Matter digital network with our guest Adam go and everybody in chat hope you're all enjoying uh, the show um, call us write to us um, Adam tell us about what you're doing with delsey
0: how could they call us though, Bill? Tell them. Okay. Well, oh, how do they
2: call? Te-
3: there's a telephone number. There's a
2: telephone.
0: Uh, it's eight- seven eight six two four
2: five eight one two seven. And thank you, Angel. You Adam, Adam, tell us about Dulcie.
6: You guys are partly responsible for this. Uh, I was contacted. This is going back a few years now. I think it was uh, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, by uh, somebody. Didn't say their name, uh, but uh, you know they had an. Email address that was, uh, well, I won't even share that right now, but uh, they asked me if I knew anything uh, about strange paranormal activity where I live. I'm in Central California. Apparently, they live nearby, and uh, they also mentioned that they had uh, helped, uh, been involved with a recent episode of UFO Hunters on Dulce or underground bases. So I thought, hmm, you know, you get a lot of people emailing you. Uh, I'm sure you guys do too. Make right. Our Dulce d-
2: episode d- was in 2000. And was in March 2009.
6: Yeah, and this was a little bit uh, before that. And okay. so, anyway, I asked you about this email address, and you said, "Oh yeah, that uh, individual does know a lot of things." And, okay. Uh, let's not even. <laughs> okay. <laughs> won't we'll won't a- name the person. I won't a- I won't name the individual now, but I ended up um, uh, meeting this uh, fellow, and uh, he has indeed been involved with the uh, Dulce mystery, at least dating back to the uh, late '80s when the revelations uh, emerged or the story emerged mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, the whole Thomas uh, Castello thing that John right. Lear shared about right. uh, the. Uh, Security worker at the uh, base who had gotten to a uh, conflict there in fact been part of a so called uh, firefight with alien greys mm-hmm. or the Draco reptilians, or whoever there and uh,
2: and he fled
6: he fled with the supposedly videotape and photographs and all of these things and basically went into hiding. That was kind of one of the legends around.
2: He stayed with he stayed with members of the Hickory Apache tribe on the reservation before he left them. Well, that I sure, did confirm.
6: I'm not sure this individual actually existed, but uh, that yeah, might be... Yeah, neither
2: it. do I, but I mean, according to the, to right. the folks that I know in on the reservation, they, they told me that Costello stayed there for a while and then left. So that was their story.
6: I'd like to find out who they were at
2: mm. some point. Okay. <laughs> I can. Did a phone from? I did. But, there was a conference. There was a group out in Dulcie having, they were on the Mesa. They called me from the Mesa. I was supposed to go out, but nobody told me when it was. So I didn't oh, go Oh, just out. recently, huh? Yeah, just this past week.
6: Now I had heard that story as well that they had sheltered uh, Castello there, and these are all the you know the uh, different threads of the story and looking into. So I started writing this uh, thing based on information I got from this. Uh, it'll be an unnamed individual from mm-hmm. now and looking into the history. You know, going back to Paul Benowitz and that whole story where elements of uh, Dulce first emerged. Schneider, and- I guess, and. Well, yeah, Phil Schneider came a little later in the uh, mid-'90s and basically t- told the same story that, uh, uh, you know, the same Tom Castello story that he right. had uh, worked at uh, Dulce and uh, basically got into a firefight there with uh, big-nosed aliens. So and I also wanted to ask you some uh, things as well. but Sure, uh, go ahead. Well, just to finish up, so I started working on a uh, a story about meeting this uh, fellow and uh, researching Dulce and looking at all the different uh, connections, and uh, I got to about uh, 25,000 words and decided, uh, well, the thing just kept on growing, and it branches off in a lot of different uh, ways. different stories that are related that branch out off of Dulce like MJ 12 papers and, uh, you know, John Alexander and the UFO working group, all of these things seem mm-hmm. connected. So this is kind of evolved in to a book, uh, and also looking at, uh, cattle mutilations, you know, they're right. connected obviously with this. And I guess you had, uh, stated that you felt the, uh, episode you did on uh, Dulce is what brought an end to uh, UFO hunters.
2: That's what we were told by this person who represented himself to me as a CIA non-official cover officer who said okay. that, um, that we had gotten a lot of people in high places furious at Area 51, not so much because we climbed Tickaboo Peak, because that had been done before. I mean, we weren't the first to do that. Mm-hmm. And not really because of um, our setting the cameras outside of Area 51 and capturing that strange light. I mean, people have seen those lights before too. What really got them furious was uh, when um, we were up in the hotel room above McCarran Airport. And we were reading the tail numbers on the Janet Airline flights. And the tail numbers were registered to the United States government. That's what really got them mad. So we were already in trouble because the Area 51 um, episode. Then um, when we showed that photograph, that really gave away the secret of Dulcie. Mm-hmm. Because what's going on is hybridization. Now, whether it's alien human hybridization, whether I mean I can run yeah. through all the all the various explanations. The one that is the most conventional as well as the most easily plausible doesn't have to be the most plausible. It's the one of the most easily plausible is that there is a hybridization going on to harvest human organs in mm-hmm. bovine fetuses because bovine serum is the serum that's used for in vitro fertilization. It's very close to human serum. So imagine big pharmaceuticals in the military being involved in an experiment in a place which is where they're never going to be called to uh, to an account, the Hickory Apache Reservation. They're free to do what they want to do, and... They basically are hybridizing different kinds of animals to see what is the best mix. And I've spoken to eyewitnesses um, who've seen strange animals on the mesa, uh, and so that was what, at least in my mind, I went with.
6: Mm-hmm. And this was during your interview with Gabe Valdez, and he showed you that photo. And what's interesting, uh, Gabe basically said that he discovered, you know, through his research and uh, his investigation that happened after he was a uh, New Mexico state trooper, he started working for NIDS, you know, Bigelow's organization. And he came across this information, and he said it pointed to a certain uh, alphabet soup agency, but he (laughs) he was careful, as I recall, not to name it on your show. And I looked at, uh, I don't know if you've... uh, read uh, Greg Valdez's book on the uh, Dulce base, but uh, it you don't have to do too much. And Greg Valdez was Gabe Valdez's son. Yes, it, right. Yeah, he went out and did a bunch of uh, cattle investing. As a little kid, Gabe mm-hmm. would drag him along, and he was privy to a lot of stuff. And if you read between the uh, lines, uh, Greg basically says in the book that, uh, yes, uh, it's all leads to a certain alphabet soup agency who you might have uh, named earlier mm-hmm. in this interview it,
2: it, 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 they were really furious ab- uh, about that because this was a, a um, that agency, and go ahead and call it the CIA, who cares um, they
6: I can neither in- confirm nor deny
2: <laughs> they, um, uh, they invest scads of money in new technologies. And, and I was at a meeting. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you where, but I was at a meeting where a company that had developed a cloaking device and there are cloaking devices being yeah. tested at, um, uh, at a Dugway proving grounds in Utah where, where, where a, a company that had invented a, a cloaking device was given a, a huge multi $7 million contract from the CIA. So I have no doubt. And this person told me flat out that 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 was one of the things he does. He tries to find resources where the CIA can invest money, and of course, where does the money come from? Well, initially, it came from dealing drugs. Is where it came from because they were responsible for laundering money, in that's why we had a Vietnam War. They but were drugs responsi- are illegal. They were responsible, but not for the CIA. They're not. They uh they were laundering uh, drug money for traffickers in Southeast Asia, and the that, uh, that tied I've, in the whole ZM regime in South Vietnam.
6: With uh, the stealth stealth technology, cloaking technology plays a big uh, part, as I've discovered in the whole uh, Dulce story and Paul Benowitz's involvement, and uh, you know it all it all seemed to stem originally that uh, Benowitz kind of stumbled upon uh, the stealth craft and figured out a way to take photographs uh, of this uh, technology and, you know, the Air Force and AFOSI became aware of this and, That's when uh, much of the disinformation began. When Richard Doty
2: led him down the garden mm -hmm. path. Yeah,
6: yeah, exactly. And it seems, yeah, to stem back to what was going on at Kirtland Base, and also kind of related to uh, Dulcie and the uh, cattle mutes. That uh, you know there was a lot of this stealth, uh, stealth technology being discovered and filmed, sometimes inadvertently. And there was also You know, you're probably aware of the uh, crash of some type of aircraft that happened out there in Dulce that Benowitz somehow got led down the path to believe it was an alien ship or the aliens had uh, shot it down. It was some type of reversed engineered craft. And a lot of, you know, a lot of these uh, stories that were being laid on Benowitz were, you know, partly sh- true to some measure, but the ultimate uh, goal, it seems, was to uh, hide what was really going on with uh, a lot of the secret aircraft they were testing out in these areas.
3: Well, have you been able to find any relatives of Benowitz to talk to, or friends?
6: My friend, Greg Bishop, uh, wrote a, the first book on Benowitz, and mm-hmm. uh, very well done, called uh, Project Beta, which was Mm -hmm. the name of the report, and he uh, tried to contact uh, the family, and uh, they don't want to talk about it. It was the last I heard, you know, of course, Benowitz, for a period of time, uh, they had to uh, admit him into a mental uh, health facility, barely, you know, he kind of uh, hit the edge and had a mental... uh, physical collapse, and uh, afterwards, you know, was never quite the uh, same guy, and it affected the uh, family, and the family still operates uh, Thunder Scientific, which is the uh, business Benowitz had, where he actually, you know, worked on government contracts. Uh, He was a physicist, very uh, intelligent guy, and he was developing different uh, instruments, uh, you know, uh, weather sensing instruments for aircraft. And so, you know, part of the stuff when he started, uh, noticing these aircrafts, he also picked on different up on different electromagnetic signals, which appear to be some type of code that was getting sent to satellites. And he right. began picking up on all this stuff and right. kind of engineering his own, uh, different devices to record the, all these electromagnetic, uh, Stuff, and uh, you know that 's where the uh, Air Force seems to have come in and did some really crazy stuff, like they actually gave him a computer with some software installed, in it uh, basically they told Benowitz it was help that he was going to help them. Uh, Research what was going on with the uh, aliens, and uh, you know, according to some accounts, and this was Gabe Valdez. He actually saw on the computer terminal where uh, Benowitz was actually thought he was receiving alien communications, and also there was images on this uh, computer. So it's yeah, it's a pretty damn uh, Mm. wild story, you know. Well. Wow. Uh,
2: and what's so fascinating is that there are real, real anomalous events going on on the Dulce Reservation. I mean, it's not as though this is, um, this is all a fantasy in, in Schneider's mind
6: Where in is Benowitz's Benewitz,
3: Where was Benowitz's property vis-a-vis Dulce? Is it, is it in proximity?
6: No, he was he was in Albuquerque, and he was located right next to Kirtland uh, Air Force Base. I mean, a stone throws from it. He did a lot of government contracts for him. So that's where he originally started seeing some things. And he saw some uh, circular looking like saucer shaped craft over uh, what's called the Manzano Weapon storage area, which at that time housed like the largest uh, bunch of uh, nuclear components in the US, uh, according to Greg Bishop in his book. And he Benowitz, when he saw this stuff, was concerned, and that's when he first started. He contacted the Air Force and let them know, and he started filming every night from his uh, out on his patio. That's what got them spooked out. Yeah.
3: Do you believe the story that Doty tells that they, in fact, went to him and fed him all this stuff, or do you? You can't. F- you, can't
6: you can't really uh, believe. Anything for certain that Doty uh, says, but he has—it's a weird thing. He has shared information with different researchers. Uh, Bill Moore and Greg Bishop got to know know him. Some of which is true, but there is also the, always that element of Doty kind of changes the story and he inserts uh, disinformation in with the uh, truth. And you know when he, but he's sharing a lot of uh, classified. Information over the years, so it's kind of a game different UFO researchers have played uh, with uh, Well, when you Doty. mentioned
3: Al- Alexander, is Alexander part of the Doty circle, or is he anti-Doty? Well, it's John? hard to
6: say he, he might. It's a very complicated web of uh, these guys, and one thing uh, that's been pointed out is that uh, there might be a long relationship uh, between John Lear and Dodie and Alexander uh, going back to Vietnam. They all might have uh, been right. involved in. Uh Laos during the uh, same period, and uh, you know, according to st- <sighs> there's so there's so much. <laughs> well, we know that we know
3: that Lear flew for Air America, mm-hmm. which kind yeah. of seal,
2: seals the
6: deal right.
3: here.
2: And 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 Lear says that he's the person who flew the the folks in the, uh, that negotiated the um, the October surprise for
6: Reagan and Bush. And
3: right. we know yeah. people who knew Lear who also flew for that. So yeah. Kind of confirms
6: so, it. So yeah, there's a lot of connections, perhaps, go- with these guys. And then once again, you go to Lear, and Lear is the one who received the uh, so-called Dulce Papers.
2: Right. In, exactly.
6: Eighty nine. So is this more of <laughs> the same uh, disinformation uh, campaign that Doty was running in? Uh, because Doty had they had moved him to West Germany uh, prior to the whole Dulce Papers thing, so it's like uh, maybe that part of the imp- operation uh, ended. Doty was out of the picture for a while, and maybe Lear became the uh, point man. I'm just kind of. Theorizing here.
3: Somebody who was flying for Air America, which means you're kind of flying under the radar on so many cultural levels. You know, Mm -hmm. you're, you're hiding from, you're, you're kind of a triple agent and you're flying Mm -hmm. drugs in for the CIA and drugs and, and laundering money. I mean, you're doing everything wrong in this beautiful United States that you can't tell anybody about. So how would a person who's that tough and knows that many uh, back doors of the government. How could you trick a person like that with this alien stuff? And I'm speaking of John who, Lear. How could you fool said, him?
6: Who said he was uh, fooled?
3: That's what I'm wondering. I don't think
2: he was fooled. I think yeah. uh, I think John Lear, John Lear absolutely believes what he's saying is the truth.
6: Do you guys think uh, it's the truth? I, I, I don't think so.
2: I do. I think that he's absolutely convinced. I mean, I've interviewed him on yeah. on more than one occasion he is um, – You
3: don't think he's winking? First of all, he's, he's friends
2: with – I think he's winking. I don't think so. Uh, I mean he uh, he's um, he's just too friendly with um, – First of all, he's friendly with the Area 51 group, okay, with uh, George Knapp and Gene mm-hmm. Huff and, and – um,
6: And once again, he's the one who helped uh, – like he helped bring out the Dulce papers. He's the one who brought out uh, – the Bob whole, Lazar.
2: Yeah, the whole story of Bob Lazar, exactly. And, what was and then the name George of Bob Lazar's Knapp Lazar's flat out told company. me it that wasn't... he was finding Bob Lazar's name in phone books after his identity was supposed to be expunged.
3: Um what what was the name of Bob Lazar's company in relation to Benowitz's company? They sounded they are they, they anything alike?
6: Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, perhaps similar, but uh I that's
3: I don't know oh, the gosh. name of Lazar's company, but when you said wh- what what is Benowitz's Thunder Thunder Aeronautics? What was it?
6: Thunder, Thunder Scientific, and he scientific. developed uh, different uh, sensing well, instruments for aircraft, high tech stuff.
3: Right, and Lear's uh, day job, even up till today, is in some kind of scientific uh, catalog stuff. He he sends stuff out. He sends element, uh, uh, you know, uh, bomb making. Maybe not bomb-making well, bomb stuff, but weird no. stuff. He sends weird unobtainium out to people. I think, yeah, I believe. Speaking of unobtainium, I believe we have unobta- we've we have we've unobtainium time.
2: time. Yes, it, it is. So, so uh, I want to thank our guest, Adam Go Rightly. What's our uh, who's coming here next week? I knew you were going to ask that, and I'm looking as we speak. Okay, we'll find it's out. Somebody in a second.
3: fabulous. And it is, in fact, Bob oh, Morningstar. Oh, Robert Morningstar. Yes. Fine, so he'll be here ah. next week. And, and
2: we'll so be talking about ask. the Kennedy assassination. Yeah. And I want to thank, again, I want to thank Adam Riley for a fun conversation. Um, now I'm going to dream of Tuesday Weld yeah. and uh, Baby Doll and uh, Rally Around the Flag Boys and um, the many loves of Dobie Gillis. Um, to everybody, we are your co-hosts, Bill. That's me and Nancy. Good night, everybody. And we are broadcasting live from Primrose Creek on Future Theater on the Dark Matter Digital Network and PSN Radio. And have a wonderful week, everybody. And we will see you with our guest, Robert Morningstar, next week right here on Future Theater.